Anglican Podcast. My name is David, and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon is the third in our series, Joy to the World, and it focuses on Isaiah 61 and the question, when will salvation come? Enjoy the sermon. The first reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 4 and 8 to 11. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the <clears throat> for the display of his splendour. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities <coughs> that have been devastated for generations. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a peoples of the Lord. The Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, or as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the young plant come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Expensive of 99.99, hey? Thousand dollars for a book. <laughs> That's free too, let's pray. <laughs> Loving Lord God, we thank you so much for your free gift to us of joy. We thank you for the way that you proclaimed it through Isaiah, through John the Baptist and through Jesus. Help us to receive that joy now as we hear your word expounded. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Please don't throw me off a cliff. This sermon needs this health warning because when Jesus preached this passage in his hometown, his listeners got so angry with him that they kicked him out of town and tried to throw him off a cliff. Why? Well, Isaiah 61 is one of those passages that comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable. Comforts the disturbed and disturbs the comfortable. It starts with these stirring words. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives. Now, who would take offense at that? Well, let's dive into this passage to see why it's so controversial and yet so filled with joy this morning. As we've seen many times so far this series, Isaiah is a book of both judgment and hope. Isaiah is a preacher, he's a healer, he's a messenger. And he warns his people that if they don't change their ways, God will send a kingdom from the north who will destroy theirs. The people ignore Isaiah, and Assyria invades from the north and plunders the kingdom. Israel spends many years in exile, but finally a king comes along called Cyrus of Persia, who invades Assyria, takes over the kingdom, and then lets all the people of Israel go home to rebuild their city. Isaiah 61 speaks of this future renewal and focuses on an unnamed servant in the future who will announce and usher in God's kingdom. In verse 2, the servant will proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. He will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, fast forward 700 years, and this is the text that Jesus gets up and reads in his local synagogue in Nazareth. After he says these words, he rolls up the scroll and sits down, because at the time, preachers sat down to preach. I I like the sound of that. That sounds good for me. (laughs) But he sits down and he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Actually, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm too active. I need to be standing up. I need to be walking around. <laughs> Sitting down wouldn't work for me. But at this point in the synagogue, the crowd is all on Jesus' side. Luke tells us that everyone is amazed at Jesus' gracious words. But if you're wondering why my health warning needed to be said, you don't have to wander long. Jesus applies this passage in the synagogue to himself, saying, I'm the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. And notice how he leaves the bit about the day of vengeance out. This is because in his first coming, Jesus came as Savior. His day of vengeance is yet to come in the future when he returns. But still the people are on his side. Then Jesus does something that ticks them off. He applies Isaiah 61 to foreigners. He does this by talking about how many of the prophets, like Isaiah, were rejected by their own people, but foreigners listened to them. Jesus is the type of savior who brings joy to the immigrants, to the lepers, to the outcasts. He brings joy to the world, not just to some. Here we begin to see how expansive and inclusive the Lord's favor truly is. Blood begins to boil. The people get up and drive Jesus to a hill so they can throw him off a cliff. But Luke tells us that Jesus simply walks through the crowd. It wasn't his time yet. This is a reminder of what joyful and yet hard news the gospel often is when we get too comfortable. 
The people in Nazareth that day expected good news from Jesus for themselves. But when they hear that God's kingdom is for everyone, that it's for outsiders, they're not so chuffed. Friends, the challenge of this text in our time is for us to follow Jesus in a world that makes up its own mind about what is good and who is in. We are called to be preachers, healers, and messengers of God's good news today. Isaiah 61 gives us a picture of the servant of God going person to person, providing for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a crown of beauty a garment, sorry, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Here we see the disturbed comforted, and this should disturb us from our comfortable lives. When was the last time you sat down with a grieving person and offered to pray for them? When was the last time you spent time with someone who you wouldn't be friends with if you weren't a Christian? When was the last time your allegiance to Jesus made you uncomfortable? Here we see that messengers from God aren't people who proclaim sweet nothings from ivory towers. They're people who go amongst the mourners, the people sitting in the rubble of their smoldering lives, and hook their arms around them and weep. Friends, if we're so stuck in our own agendas, if we're so stuck in the rut of taking care of ourselves, then Isaiah says, then Jesus says, that we need to change. The other night, after packing up from Dolby Community Carols, I got chatting to some boys in the park who couldn't have been older than 12 or 13. They were really polite young kids, and they generously offered me some of their marijuana. (laughs) I said, no, thank you, and I said goodbye. But I left kicking myself. Here were boys captivated by addiction who needed to hear about the Lord's favor, and they needed to know God's love for them. And I didn't have time to sit down and share that with them. Friends, do we go out of our comfort zones to meet people like this who are so busy? Sorry, friends, do we go out of our comfort zones to meet people like this, or are we so busy we have no time for people who need God's healing and wholeness? Are we too worried about our reputations to share hard truths about God's judgment and about his love? Jesus, our preacher, our healer, our messenger, gave up his life to tell others of God's love. The people in Nazareth pushed him towards a cliff and three years later others took his life because he challenged their comfort. But Jesus didn't relent from teaching God's word. Are we ready to take small risks day by day 
and go outside our comfort zones to proclaim God's favour. The next voice in this passage is the voice of an administrator, a rebuilder of Jerusalem. This person is, again is pictured in the rubble of burnt out Jerusalem, but verse 4 tells us they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Here is bright hope. Standing in the rubble of future Jerusalem, Isaiah sees restoration and renewal for the city. Where there is chaos, God will bring back order. Where there is destruction, God will reconstruct. Again, in the Gospels, we see Jesus takes this concept written 700 years before his birth and applies it to himself. In John 2, Jesus enters the now rebuilt temple courts and drives out scammers and hucksters trying to sell there. Again, people get cranky and demand he show them a miracle to prove his right to make this statement. Jesus simply says, destroy this temple and I will raise it up again in three days. Now, John helpfully explains for the reader that it was his body that he was speaking about. But the people don't like what Jesus is putting down. And at his trial before his crucifixion, they bring up this statement as a reason to kill him. Here again, we see Jesus fulfilling Isaiah's prophecies. While the temple was rebuilt twice between Isaiah and Jesus, Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of the temple. I am the true place where man and God meet. Jesus is bringing order into disorder and unity in division. Now, it's interesting that a lot of reading plans and lectionaries leave out verses 5 to 7. This might be because they assume that they're about some sort of oppressive empire. But this is the wrong way to think about these verses. Look at verse 6 through 7. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. There's a vision here of global trade and mutual prosperity. Far from an evil empire, here Isaiah sees a day when people will work together. The people of Israel will share not only their wealth, but also their faith with other nations. Jesus ushers in this era as he encourages Jewish disciples to make disciples of all nations. He encourages his followers to buy and sell and trade and also to share their wealth. Jesus kickstarts the age Isaiah is talking about, the year of the Lord's favor, but his mission continues today. Friends, one of the pitfalls of Advent is that we can think that all we need to do is passively sit and wait for Jesus' return when he zaps us up to heaven. 
the Christian life, however, is much more active. Here we see God's people working with God to redeem and bring order to creation. As Christians, we're called to do the good works we were created for in Jesus Christ. That's, one, that's why it's wonderful that we've got administrators, teachers, librarians, and farmers in our parish who all bring order into a world that needs order. And they, in doing so, they reflect God's glory. Friends, we are all called to be part of this work. Whether you're retired, working, studying, or caring for family full-time, you are called to be a part of bringing order and beauty to the world just like Jesus. At Advent, we celebrate the fact that we can build the kingdom of God here on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. What this looks like for you individually will be a matter of careful prayer and discernment. But we are all called to God's mission. As Isaiah says, through God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit, everlasting joy is a gift we have already. When will salvation come? Salvation comes into our world whenever God's people bring order and unity and beauty in his name. In the final chunk of this passage, we hear the voice of the Lord pronouncing good news of justice for his people. In Isaiah 61 verse 8, we read, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Friends, this is why we are new covenant people. Jesus ushered in fresh promises for his people. Jesus saw the injustice, robbery, and wrongdoing of our world, but he didn't leave us as orphans. He came into the world to show us a better way to live. A covenant is like a contract between two parties. While the old covenant was an agreement between God and Abraham and his family, and was made at a specific time, the new covenant is for everyone, and the new covenant lasts into eternity. Isaiah 61 verses 8 and 9 say, Their descendants will be known among the nations, and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. Friends, this is why we're new covenant people. Here we see this vision that God has for his church. We will come from all backgrounds and family groups. And everyone who sees us will know that we are people blessed by the Lord. Friends, today Jesus is worshipped in every country on the planet. The church spans the globe, but there's still work to be done. While there are still people who mourn, while there are still people who are gospel poor, while there are still people who look at the church and don't see people blessed by God, we have work to do. 
at Advent, we look forward to the fulfillment of all God's promises and recommit to holiness so all will know how good it is to serve the Lord. It was wonderful last Saturday night to sit at carols and see the combined churches of Dolby working together to share the good news of Jesus. Last Saturday night, the Salvation Army was cooking sausage sizzles. Um, The people from the Presbyterian Church were doing check-ins at the door to make sure everything was COVID safe. And people from five different churches were working on the sound and lighting. A team from the Church of Christ led the music. God's people were all working together to show the world the goodness of God and sing his praises. And just in case you were wondering where the Anglicans were, we were cleaning the toilets. We were doing the hard work. (laughs) But friends, that's how good it is when God's people work together. And it's worth singing about. It's worth proclaiming to the world. And that's exactly what Isaiah does in verse 10. He calls us to be freedom fighters, rejoicing in the Lord. And he says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Isaiah gets this vision of God's redemption and a glimpse into the world Jesus will usher in. And so he bursts into song. His soul rejoices in God and he's like a bride on her wedding day. And he shares this message with his people. History tells us that this vision inspired God's people to go back to Jerusalem, to go and rebuild the temple and begin to worship God again. And one day, the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus Christ himself, would walk into Jerusalem to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to die for the people, and to rise outside the city gates three days later. Friends, it's a rich tapestry of history, but here there is order and beauty and wonder that's out of this world. Isaiah experienced the joy of the Lord even while his country was falling down, and even though he knew there was hardship and struggle ahead. Friends, you and I have access to that same joy and more because we know Jesus and we, because we know God has a plan and God is redeeming his world every moment of every day. In light of this, we are called to live for justice. We're called to be God's justice league, working together Now, the task is huge, and you and I are not superheroes. But when we work together for God's glory, when we come together of a Sunday in unity, sing God's praises, and then go out promising to love and serve the Lord, we are living into God's plan. When will salvation come? Well, salvation comes every time a follower of Jesus does something for Jesus in our world. 
Every time we share Jesus with someone, every time we put others before ourselves because of Christ's teaching, every time we love people who are unloved because God loves them, salvation bursts into our world. Isaiah 61 sees God's kingdom as a garden and salvation a growth. Verse 11 finishes the chapter like this. As the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before the nations. Isaiah's vision of righteousness and justice springing up in the world should rock us to the core. It's scary and it's intimidating, but it is good. May we work for justice in our world and fight for freedom so that all may know that salvation is here and his name is Jesus. Amen.